June 24th, a now shut down and evacuated condominium tower collapsed. 32 pronounced dead, but over 100 still missing. The Champaign Towers in Surfside, Florida. A tragedy, but now in Florida, there are the hurricane warnings. Tropical Storm Elsa, a superstorm, which had been gaining strength over the past few days, is now a hurricane, and it's heading up the west side of the Gulf Coast and already doing damage in the Tampa area. The timing is bad. The Champlain Towers collapsed in late June, and officials have yet to clean it up totally or find everyone who's gone missing. Over a hundred yet to be found. Jesus' words... Those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others? No, they weren't. But tragedy calls us to repent, to entrust ourselves to the Lord. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we are in a series called War and Grace. All week, we're looking at incredible yet true stories of God's grace even in the midst of the horrors of war. Yesterday, we heard the powerful story of Mitsuo Fuchida. He was a fighter pilot for the Japanese, but after the war, he met Jesus, and everything changed. He may have gone in to do battle, leading the charge on Pearl Harbor, but it was later that his life was all changed, and it changed for the better. Today, we're going to hear the story of a little girl, Johanna Ruth Dobschiner. She was a Jewish Dutch girl who fled from the Nazis, escaped, and found Jesus in the process. She didn't know why, but she became convinced that the Lord chose to preserve her life. Stay with me to hear this amazing story told to us by the late Don Stevens. He was a pastor in England who went home to be with the Lord a couple of years back. He left us an amazing book called War and Grace, 13 biographies, testimonies of grace from the world wars of the last century. After the program, I want to send you a copy of this book for your gift to the ministry. As you read it, you will be encouraged to see how the Lord was at work in these people's lives, even in the turbulent years of war. And believe me, once you start reading, you won't want to put this book down. So call us after the program. Make a gift to the ministry but ask for war and grace. Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online and there you'll find many resources, like the video we shot with Louis Zamperini and a special blog post about his life. You can experience all of that and make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's start the program from their hymns album. Here's Shane and Shane. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter will fail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hope Through life's fearful pain 
Say anything about your Savior if you know Christ Jesus as your Lord. 
then you can certainly identify with that song from Shane and Shane called He Will Hold Me Fast. Here at A Haven Today, War and Grace, the title of our series this week, as we look back on the lives of people who found the grace of Christ in the middle of a war. And today we're going to learn about Johanna Ruth Dobschiner, a target of the Nazi regime. But she found a way out. This clever young girl used her quick thinking and her boldness to survive the Holocaust. The 10th of May, 1940, 14-year-old Ruth Dobschiner, known as Hansi, to her family and friends, was wakened early. She drew back the bedroom curtains and at her Amsterdam home noticed that the sky was full of parachutists. German Nazi soldiers were descending literally out of the blue and within a few days neutral Holland was conquered. Now what was to follow in the next five years was bad enough for the ordinary Dutch people but for Hansi and the other Jewish people it was to make them victims of one of the greatest crimes in history. And then in February 1941 the secret police, the Gestapo, rounded up about 8,000 male Jews in Amsterdam and Hansi's two brothers were among them. People say it's medically impossible, but Hansi insists that her mother went grey overnight and it wasn't long before the ashes of the two boys were returned to the family. Jews were disappearing daily. It was becoming a struggle to survive, and feeling the danger, Hansi thought she would be safe in the Jewish hospital. And so she had an unnecessary operation to take out her appendix, judging that her appendix was worth two weeks of safety. And soon after that, she was very pleased to catch scarlet fever, because she was in bed six weeks, and she had a sign put over the door, saying that there was infectious illness. While she had the scarlet fever, she began to think about the very strict Orthodox Jewish religion in which she was being brought up. It was so strict in, it was outward, in its outward ceremonies. Thus, she felt God was not part of their everyday lives. God was not a reality, in spite of their strict Orthodox Jewish faith. Later she came to say that it was at this time she became God-conscious for the first time in her life. And then on the 9th of April, 1943, by this time she's 17, the doorbell rang and German soldiers took her parents away. And for reasons which are unclear, they left Hansi alone in the house. Next day, she looked through the window at a place where she worked over the street, and she saw her parents being forced into a lorry. They were to be two of 30,000 Jews gassed in one day at Sobibor. Her own freedom was not to last for long. She was seized and taken by an army lorry to Amsterdam station. Here a goods train waited to be filled up with prisoners about to make the journey to death. 
About 50 people were pushed into each cattle truck like animals. There was no seating, no sanitation. Bundled into a truck, she noticed a baby covered in spots. And in a desperate attempt to save even one family, she used her fluent German and shouted out, Attention, attention, highly infectious family in this wagon. Hurry, hurry. And to her utmost astonishment, the soldiers opened the door. And she told them to keep their distance in case they wanted, unless they wanted scarlet fever. At first she was ordered to the waiting room. And then she was allowed to go back to the hospital. Here she was a nurse for a short time. But she said, how safe was she? It was as though the sword of Damocles was hanging over her head. And then, one day, everybody under three months, who'd been in the hospital under three months, was taken away. So yet again, she found herself on Amsterdam Station. On the train, Jews who were on the way to death wanted to know which ward she'd been working on in the hospital. Infectious diseases was the answer. So on the ground that they already had enough problems without infection, they urged her to get out and go onto the platform. Trembling at the reaction of the Nazi soldiers, she got out. She told a soldier who was pointing his rifle at her what had happened and asked to go back to the hospital. Have you any transport, she asked. Bonus was her friend. She was the only person to return to the hospital that day. Everybody else died. The matron sent Hansi out on district nursing. And while she was attending to a woman who had pneumonia, Every nurse, every doctor, and every patient was cleared out to the death camps. She only survived because of a so-called accident of circumstances. She was district nursing. But how long could this game of cat and mouse continue? Without looking for it, she was given the chance to go underground. A 33-year-old Dutch reformed pastor called Bastian Eder was using his home to shelter hunted people. At just 18, she was the youngest person he housed and protected. D-Day had been a success, and as they waited for the Allies to come, Hansi found a Bible in Pastor Ada's house. She was keeping up her strict Orthodox Jewish religion. But gradually, as she read into across from the last book of the Old Testament to the first book of the New Testament, she found that she could no more think of God the Father without visualizing Jesus Christ. She was to write this. Unconsciously, Christ had stolen his way into my life. Orders came for Bastian Ada's arrest. Hansi now had to escape. Twenty-seven addresses she had as the Dutch resistance moved her from place to place. And there in a safe attic, 
she broke off her task of peeling a bucket full of potatoes and knelt down and dedicated her life to her newfound Lord, Jesus Christ. It was an overwhelming spiritual experience of repentance and saving faith. Soon after this, Hansi was set free in a different way, by American tanks. She was baptized, went on to marry a Scotsman and have twin daughters. Eventually, she wrote her memoirs in a best-selling book that she called Selected to Live. 117,000 Dutch Jews were murdered, and Hansi was one of the very few to survive, selected to live. It's a powerful story of grace and protection. Even in the midst of such brutal and inhumane terror, Hansi's story of survival is a glimmer of hope in the story of the Holocaust. So many did not experience the protection she was graced with. So many didn't make it. And even some who did make it, like Ellie Weissel, didn't come to faith in Christ on the other side. What do we do with that? We thank the Lord for those who did make it out. And we learn from their stories of how Christ sustained their faith even through the darkest of times. And we reflect on those who didn't make it. Some of them had faith. And we would never want to say their faith wasn't strong enough. Hansi wasn't saved because she had more or better faith than anyone else. We can't ever know why some survive and millions don't. But we also grieve the evil and suffering, and we continue to using our lives to love our neighbors. Well, the Nazi regime was so successful because so many citizens refused to stand up for fear of death. As we reflect on the grace that Hansi found, we can rejoice in the Lord with her. But we also are called to commit to a way of life that makes sure we will stand up for those who are abused and mistreated. Christ calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, as the book of Peter says. But it doesn't end there. He gives us new hearts and a new way of life, the way of his kingdom. We are saved and changed by Christ's grace and by the power of the Spirit. You and I can live as he calls us to live. Christ's grace can sustain us in this call, just like he sustained so many in the midst of the horror of the Holocaust. It is faith in the coming kingdom that keeps us moving forward and that frees us to extend our love even now. Christ's love gives us all we need. Sometimes I'm strong, sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I
Grace that won't let go on this haven today, and a program called War and Grace. The story of Johanna Ruth Dobschiner. It was powerful, wasn't it? It's always amazing to hear how people found a way to survive in the midst of terror. When we see how the Lord changes lives, especially in difficult times, it can change us as well. No one is ever too far away from the Lord's grace. And when you read War and Grace, short biographies from the world wars, I know you'll be greatly encouraged. Not only that, you'll be inspired. Not only does it have a more in-depth look at Hansi, but it also tells us the inspiring story of Louis Zamperini. Thirteen stories in all that show God's amazing grace over and over again through the eyes of war survivors. I want you to have war and grace this July. It'll remind you that the Lord is always at work, no matter how dark things seem to get. Believe me, this is a real page-turner, but it'll fill you with hope this summer. So would you call us right now? Would you make your first gift of July, first gift of our new fiscal year? And we'll send you this book called War and Grace. Our number to call where you can ask for the book and make your gift is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, and there you'll find many resources, like the video we shot with Louis Zamperini before he died, and a special blog post about his life. You can experience all of that when you make your gift at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And if you'd like to hear my full 30-minute interview with Louis Zamperini, we have that posted on our Great Stories podcast. Look for it at haventoday.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, as we hear these stories from the two great wars of the last century, whether it's a foxhole conversion or whether it's someone who's Jewish that meets Jesus, Yeshua, as their Lord and Savior, we want to thank you for their testimonies that you've given to us. We want to thank you for calling people like the woman we looked at today. Lord, we thank you for extending grace under extenuating circumstances, and you're still in the business of doing that today. 
no matter what we're going through, Lord Jesus, would you reach out to us? Would you extend to us the power of the cross? Would you extend to us the right hand of fellowship, for which we are very grateful, eternally grateful and thankful? And all we can say to that is amen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Come back again tomorrow. There's more to come as together we share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Ephesians 1.10 says one day God will bring all things under one head who is Christ. The term that Paul uses here is a Greek word that often was used to describe the act of adding up one's expenses, like balancing your checkbook. Ancient people had to keep track of their assets. They straightened out every item under one head, summing up all the numbers. Paul says that all things, whether in heaven or on earth, will be summed up in Christ Jesus. There are so many frustrating, unjust, and difficult things to deal with in this world. Trust God to right every wrong and to fulfill every promise because one day Jesus will arrive. He'll straighten everything out. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.